interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? You know, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare. Be afraid. No. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Ghouls and gore. And sometimes a little more. My bloody podcast. <laughs> Hello, welcome everybody to another episode of My Bloody Podcast. It is a wonderful week. We have been out of town. We were at a film festival uh, where your host with the most, or your hostesses with the mostesses, Brian Kluger, that is I, and uh, my my bloody ass butthole friend in the world, Preston Barta. How are you, sir? I'm doing so good. <laughs> He's doing so good. My bloody podcast, this is episode 68. We're going to be talking about Fantastic Fest, the movies we saw, and of course, bloody questions and bloody bits of news later on. But yeah, episode 68, Preston, we have one more episode until we hit our favorite number, right? Yes, I, I th- we have plans for what we're doing next, but I feel like we should change them. <laughs> we, we, we might have to because, oh my God, 69. But t- today is a special day because we have a fantastic guest with us today. He hails all the way from Dallas, Texas. Wait, wait, wait. That's where we are. Fuck. The man, the myth, the legend, Go See Talk's own... Mark Chafferdini, how the hell are you? Fan bloody tastic, man. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you on. Have you been on my bloody podcast before? I, I don't know, but I'm kind of doubting our friendship after the intro you gave Preston. I feel like second fiddle. What was all this pillow talk? The, the, uh, Mog gets a little uh, <laughs> jealous here and there. I'm very jealous. E- even though Chafferdini and I share a bed together. <laughs> once. 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 Naked. There's there's a big difference between once and never. <laughs> Brian uh, has called me a legend and a myth, so don't feel too special, Mark. Oh, it is all pillow talk. None of you are special. Do you get your relationship advice from Ash from Evil Our, Dead and Army of Darkness? I do. I, everything from him. Give me some sugar. <laughs> <laughs> well, but uh, thanks chat. for the com- uh, thanks for making me feel better, Preston. You're welcome. That's what Preston's here for. Uh, but yeah, all the three of us, along with some other friends, were at Fantastic Fest in Austin, seeing a whole bunch of movies, talking to a whole bunch of people, and uh, yeah, we we all had a good time. Uh, we I think we collectively got maybe six hours of sleep in four days. <laughs> Can confirm. Can confirm. And uh, none of us got sick, which is good. I think none of us got sick. Oh, wait. I, I got sick the day after I got back. Oh, yeah. You got AIDS, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Gonosifaherpolitis. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, it looks like you're doing well. <laughs> Kicked it with gene uh, therapy. Did you, did you get sick, Preston? Uh, I've been sick for about a month and a half. Jeez. So uh, I've just been coasting along, being okay. Hasn't been too violent. Well, Preston has that super tuberculosis that's going around. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and spina bifida, that raging case of spina bifida that's going around. When you cough up red, it's bad. When you cough I up s- green, it's worse. When you cough up blue, what did you do last night? <laughs> what did we do last night? <laughs> 
But I think we're all here. We're all ready to talk Fantastic Fest. My Bloody Podcast, episode 68. Let's start with the bloody bits of news before we get into the, the good stuff. Uh, filmmaker Andre Overdahl. Am I pronouncing that right? Andre I believe, I believe so. Yeah, he did, he did the autopsy of Jane Doe. Um, it looks like he is going to direct the last voyage of the Demeter, the D- Dementor, Demeter, Demeter. I don't, how do you D- say that? Dem- yeah, there's no N in there, so I guess it's just De- Demeter. So interestingly, like Demeter was the name of the ship that transported Dracula from Transylvania to London in Bram Stoker's classic tale. Which I guess Andre's tackling Dracula here, which is kind of cool. And I loved Autopsy of Jane Doe, but hated scary stories to tell in the dark that he did. But he's doing it for Amblin, which is Spielberg's company. Um, Chafferdini, what do you have to say about this? Do you like Autopsy of Jane Doe? Do you like Dracula? Do you do you approve of this news? Everything yes. Everything you said, yes, 100%. Um, no, it's funny because if, you, if they're making it based on that, I wonder if they're going to do it small scale. And kind of like Alien, do it as a horror movie on a boat. <clears throat> they may scale it back because that's essentially what Jane Doe was. It's a horror movie set in a one setting. Yeah, like in yeah. the in the uh, the morgue. Yeah, that would be awesome if it was like Alien, but set on an old school ship with Dracula. Because it's kind of like, do the people who transport Dracula? Does everybody in on it, or is everybody oblivious to who the cargo is? I don't know, it could be very interesting. Yeah, I don't know, Preston. What do you think about it? Uh, from what I understand, it is going to be a, wo- a one-location thriller. I-, I would assume that everybody does not know what the cargo is. That is exciting. Yeah, so I guess this script was originally written in 2002. I was 21 years old, Preston. You were probably 8, and Chafferty, and you were like 40. <laughs> Still 40. Imagine that. I am Dracula. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a crew, like this whole crew of the ship is slaughtered one by one by a mysterious passenger, meaning probably... Dra- Alucard, yeah, <laughs> Alucard, Dracula, uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious to see this. Like, if it if it's set up kind of like Alien, that sounds badass. So uh, I, I don't know. Period horror movie. I'm I'm in. Dracula origins the origin. The, the, the <laughs> an origin story. It's like Logan, but Dracula. Uh, Who would you cast as Dracula? Ooh, I mean, I would love to see what's his name. Oh shit. Uh, McFly from Back to the Future. The Marty, not Marty. Uh, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover. All right. Um, why don't you go, Preston? I need three more seconds to compose my thoughts. <laughs> uh, just because I like Brian Cox a lot and Autopsy of Jane Doe, I, I put Brian Cox in there. Ooh, an old Dracula, an old yeah. fat Dracula. Oh my god! I can only see him saying like shenanigans or something. That evil shenanigans. I I really like the Dracula or the vampire that's the old vampire that's in the What We Do in the Shadows TV series, and Doug Jones plays him, and he played it really well. So uh, I would be okay with him tackling the part too. Oh, I I like this Brian Cox idea. Totally two different people from Crispin Glover and Brian Cox. Chafferdini, meet us in the middle. (laughs) I'm gonna go with Mark Strong. Ooh. I like Mark Strong. Always the bad guy. Yeah. Is he always the bad guy? Not really, though. He was not the bad guy in Kingsman, is he? No. He, as, uh, what was his name? Um, Merlin. He was the yeah. uh, sort of mentor. Uh, that would be kind of cool. I mean, I could see it, but it, it, it is definitely typecasting. Um, is it oh, just because of the villain role? Yeah. 
I mean, after Shazam, and I mean, well. What about if Kevin Hart plays Dracula? <laughs> It'll be a totally different movie. Blackula? Shortula? Yeah, Blackula. <laughs> Shortula. They, sh- they should remake Blackula with Kevin Hart. Oh, my goodness. All right, so we'll have more news on this with casting and everything, but uh, Andre Overdahl, looking forward to this. Uh, let's move on to another bit of news. Eli Roth news, actually. Uh, by the way, do we like Eli Roth? Do we like Cabin Fever and the stuff he does, Green Inferno? I did not like the hostels, but otherwise, yes. So no hostels, uh, Preston? I like I like the hostels, and I liked Green Inferno. And like I expressed on the episode that we talked about Green Inferno, or I brought it up, I really think he's a very smart guy. I just don't think he can always illustrate that on screen. So I'm always apprehensive about all his works. So none of them like really gets me excited, but I am going in with an open mind. I'll go in with an open wine too. I'll open mind, open wine. Uh, Eli Roth, I I feel he he loves the genre. I like the guy. He's the bear Jew. Uh, but then, as Preston said, I. Some of his stuff just doesn't resonate well. But he has a new movie that he's doing. It's called 1031, not to be confused with 103198 from VHS. It's called 1031, which I imagine it's October. And it was acquired by Orion Pictures, which is cool. And it's about a young woman who takes her niece and nephew trick-or-treating and discovers a note inside a candy wrapper that says there's a killer loose on the block. That's cool. Uh, So... That's kind of cool. I will get like an, another Halloween movie like Trick or Treat or just based on the holiday Halloween, which is coming up. It is October. Preston Chafferdini. Oh, my goodness. This is our first Halloween-esque uh, podcast of the year, October. But do you think Eli Roth will do well with this? Or do you think this will be kind of the same type of thing that he's done, like just gore and very little story? What do you hope for? I hope he keeps it simple. I like that log line there because it sounds very simple, but I think if he starts making it overly complex, that's when I leave. (laughs) (laughs) Preston's out, but not yet. What about you, Marcus? Well, if I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, if, if they find the letter the, the note in a candy wrapper, this would be chronologically after Halloween's over, after the kids come home with the candy. So should it be called 11 one? Does the killer attack after the kids have gotten their candy? You're making this too complex. It sounds like it could be like a detective sort of, you know. But, but you know, I think, you know, let's say most kids will go out trick-or-treating between 6 and 8. And they find a candy wrapper when they get home at 8, which still leaves, you know, 5 or 6 hours to find the killer. Of murder, murder, murder. Yeah, so maybe that, I, I could see that having the effect. I don't know. Well, in that case, it would be almost like the Monster Squad. It's got to be mostly entirely from the kids' perspective. So, yeah. So, I I guess Eli Roth said of the screenplay, said, Very rarely do you get a script that grabs you by the throat, holds you until the last page, and gives you nightmares after. So, I mean, this is Eli Roth saying it, maybe just because he's attached to it. I don't know, but... uh, how much did they pay him to say that? Yeah, really, like a million dollars. I would just say that if it doesn't work out for him, maybe he could go to Netflix with an animated show called The Teddy Bear Jew. The Teddy Bear Jew. I'd watch it. It's mm. like Teddy Ruxpin. Uh, Roth also said of the project, I don't want to reveal too much, but this is one of the best, scariest premises for a horror film that I've read in years. 
And, you know, if it says that and it features, like, kids and stuff, I just, like, keep going back to Halloween 3 where, like, the corporation wanted to kill all the kids everywhere, which is, like, super dark and sadistic. And I wonder if there's, like, a serial killer that's trying to kill kids, uh, stuff like that. So, yeah, curious. We'll we'll know more. I would imagine uh, this will be released sometime next year. Uh, in the October area, if it's called 1031. Correct? Correct. All right. Uh, last bit of news. Uh, there are two War of the Worlds remakes, reboots happening. One of them happens to be on the BBC coming up. It'll be uh, a few episodes long. And it looks like it takes place in like colonial England. Uh, starring Rafi Spell, where these highly technological tripod robot aliens start to kill everyone. Uh, so, War of the Worlds, did y'all watch the trailer? And if so, what do you think? Preston? I haven't seen the trailer. I've seen the still, the, the thumbnail for the trailer, which has a shitty looking robot in the back. Um, <laughs> and one of my least favorite actors, Rafe Spall. So, um, I don't think I'll be watching this one. Oh my, now I have to ask, why do you hate Rafe Spall so much? Rafi Spell, I don't know. Um, uh, he's just one of those actors that fits that scene from Step Brothers where he's like, I don't know what it is about you, but I just don't like you. It's just one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> All right, did you watch it, Chafferdini? I did not. I've, I lost my taste for War of the Worlds ever since Spielberg and Cruz got together and Say that. Say what you will. There are good moments in that movie, but I, I'm the only one that watched the trailer. It's a minute long, and again, it's kind of cool that it's a different take on War of the Worlds, where it's like set in like a period piece, England, yeah, where they're like using World cannons and shit like that. Um, it almost looks like Downton Abbey and War of the Worlds mixed together, but. I get, I get it like there's like a war going on in England, but like Civil War almost type of thing. And then like aliens come and there's symbolism there. But uh, I'm going to give it a check. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. I, you know, I, I'm not a hater on Rafe or Rafe Spall like, like our dear friend Preston is. But yeah, I'm going to check it out. I will see. There is another one, another War of the Worlds coming out. I think that stars Gabriel Byrne that is set in modern day Europe. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, what do you I think? I think it, it definitely makes it interesting that it, it's a different time period because the machines themselves look so far advanced. And I think that's more fascinating than put it in the modern day. And then just, I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's not as compelling to me, but, um, I don't know. So I'll, I'll wait until, to see what you have to say about it and then I'll come in and try to put Rafe's face aside and enjoy <laughs> the rest of it. Right, right. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I am curious about this because <clears throat> like we've seen before, it takes place in whatever modern day telling they're, they're showing us on screen and to have this one, like I would like to see like how people with like no technology back then just using like giant hand cannons or just actual cannons trying to take down these sophisticated 500 foot monster alien robots I, i'm in for that 
No, no. I, I say, Barnaby, would you bring the trebuchet over here? That's We're going to align be. it <laughs> on the perfect axis of the leg. That's what it's going to be, and uh, I'm very excited about it. Well, I'm not very excited about it. I, I am going to watch it. We'll see what BBC does, because BBC usually does some good stuff. So uh, we'll update you when we see it. But I think that uh, closes out the news section this week, and we're going to move on to our our bloody question where we ask a fun horror-themed question, bring it to Reddit, and uh, read some of the answers as well as our own. This one was a super fun one this week. We got a lot of traction on it, so we will definitely not be reading most any of these because we had way over 60 replies and it's just that'll be way too much to read but the question this week was um if you could hold a horror movie marathon at a theater for a thousand people what six films would you show so you know you had access to your favorite movie theater you can invite a thousand friends and our people what horror films would you show them at your horror movie marathon that's going in line with our fantastic fest so i bring it to mock chaffadini Oh, the guest. Mark Chaffadini, the guest. Well, can you bring me the under other 950 friends I need? Because how to... I have 50. I need a whole lot more to fill that theater. Um, okay. He has um, no friends. Yeah. It's sad. <laughs> well, I, I just keep a close circle of chuckleheads like yourself and press ton, who presses tons. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's... I, I would do Behind the Mask, Rise of Leslie Vernon. Ooh. Yeah, that's on mine, too. Oh, look at you guys. We conspire and then fire. Yes. Um, next, I would do Inside, because that still messes me up. Goddamn Inside is so good. And no, most people have not seen that movie. It's uh, one for the books. Uh, the next one would be Ty West's The House of the Devil. Ooh. Uh, nice, very slow burn, but effective um, horror movie. Um, Dawn of the Dead, the Snyder remake. All right. Um, the Devil's Rejects. Rob Zombie's second in his uh, Firefly family trilogy. All right. And the uh, last one would be, speaking of Fantastic Fest, You Might Be the Killer. That was the big one that we liked last year at uh, Fantastic Fest. That's true. That would be an awesome, that would be an awesome, it would be shown in that order. Mm-hmm. In that order. Yeah. So everybody would end on You Might Be the Killer, mm-hmm. which is a fun one to end Sure on. is, yeah. Hell yes. I, I like that you start with Leslie Vernon and be on You Might Be the Killer kind of bookends type of thing. Mm-hmm. Look at you. Smarter than you look. <laughs> I like that. So, Preston, I'm curious to see how many movies you had similar to Mock Chaffadini's. Just, just the one. Uh, so, I, I put thought behind it in that I would like to start off where you're challenged by a more intellectual horror film. And then as the night goes on, it gets more fun. So, like, the first one is your coffee and hot tea drinking horror film, and I would start with Horror of Dracula. And then I would go into Raw, which is one of my favorite (laughs) horror movies of the past decade. That was a Fantastic Fest movie, too. Yes, it was. And so is It Follows, which is my next one, which is, uh, it's it's a good bridge. It's, It's still smarter than your average fun horror movie, but... It also has that fun element to it. And then I would go to The Guest. <laughs> I had a lot of fun watching that in the theater, too. Yeah. Another fantastic fest movie. So three so far. And then Behind the Mask. And then, of course, I have to end on Lost Boys. <laughs> okay. Lost Boys. I really thought you were going to say Jaws. 
because that's your favorite movie. It is, but everybody's seen that. Uh, It's more fun to watch The Lost Boys with a crowd. Lost Boys with a crowd is great. Um, And I'm surprised you actually didn't say your other favorite horror movie, too. Reanimator? Yeah. Yeah. I thought about all that, but I I wanted to pick from the, the middle of the barrel a little bit, too. So... Between you guys' uh, you use guys uh, films, if you had to bring in one celebrity from any of the movies to do Q and A's and stuff like that, or host the whole event from the movies you picked, which one? Who would you bring? Assuming that I could resurrect Peter uh, Peter Cushing, I would bring Peter Cushing. All right, Peter Cushing, <laughs> that would be awesome. You would ask him the Star Wars questions, wouldn't you? Uh, maybe a little bit, but, uh, I like his, uh, stint as Van Helsing. Sweet. Mark, who would you bring in? I think I would bring in Michael Kelly from, um, Dawn of the Dead. He's the one who plays CJ, the, uh, security guard at the mall. Yeah. Um, cause he's sort of the, the more, I, I just love his character. It's fucking it, nursery school. That's, I say that every day. You know, I'm in the office and we have an entire group of people in my, uh, where I work where nobody knows how to refill the coffee. <laughs> and I come in there and you get that, that little, that spitting when you press down the, the drip coffee and there's nothing left. I'm like, fucking nursery school. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So I kind of went different with it. <laughs> and no, I didn't pick Salo. I know you, Preston, you're thinking that. One and done. One and done. Uh, no, I, I went my starting out. I would do the 2003 Australian film Undead, which is a fun as hell zombie movie to get your, your adrenaline up. It's quick paced, funny and violent. And then I would move on to Killer Clowns from Outer Space. And then I would move on to Society, which we just did on our podcast, because watching that movie in a theater full of people is squirmy and greatness. Uh, kind of like the Joker. Yes, like the Joker. I love the Joker. Uh, that, that would be followed by Critters, the original Critters movie, because that's super fun. I could see Power of the Night on the big screen. Uh, <laughs> and then it would be followed by Peter Jackson's Brain Dead, a.k.a. Dead Alive, because I would want to watch that movie in a theater with a bunch of people and all the gore. And then it would be followed by the original director's cut of The Exorcist to end the night on with a, a very quality Oscar-winning picture. Uh, but yeah, those would be mine. Kind of kind of got a little bit of everything in there. So, uh, And if I had to bring somebody uh, from those movies, I would absolutely bring uh, Linda Blair uh, from The Exorcist. Surprised you didn't pick Peter Jackson. No, I wouldn't bring Peter Jackson. No, I would bring... Um, I would rather bring, like, the, the priest from that movie who kicks ass for the Lord. But no, I'd bring Linda Blair. Uh, but yes, we, we brought this question to Reddit. It took off. There's over 60 comments. Um, one of... Uh, the, the most voted one uh, is from Psycho Babble King, and he said he would show The Shining, Scream, Halloween... Hereditary, The Silence of the Lambs, and End on Alien, which it seemed a lot of people really enjoyed that one. All the heavy hitters. All the heavy hitters. And then uh, Milzer said he would put demons. He would show demons, which is perfect because that takes place inside a movie theater. 
And then Reanimator, Return of the Living Dead, Terror Vision, Night of the Creeps, and then end on Night of the Demons, which is pretty good. Uh, some people would say The Descent. I thought about putting The Descent in there just because that's a fun movie to watch with people because it's so claustrophobic and scary and gory. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of some, I'm trying to look through here real quickly, uh, to see if there's anything out of the ordinary. Do you notice any of them that have like a theme or anything like that with like the stories or even the titles? Like if you just had like a night of <laughs> just bunch of all the different movies that have night in the title. Retro Acorn three said wrong turn one through six. <laughs> um, Ver, verse, uh, Versa Seamark said, Martyrs Inside, Midsomar, Audition, Mother, and Cannibal Holocaust. Holy shit. That, that's, a, that's one right there. Uh, that that's, will, that's an ass beating. That, that, is, that is an <laughs> ass beating. Um, a lot of people said the thing. Uh, I'm trying, there was a couple of, oh yeah, slasher films. Halloween, Tourist Trapped, The Burning, Popcorn, Sleepaway Camp 3, and Iced. <laughs> so um, that, that was a pretty decent one. And then another good one was Trick or Treat, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, uh, Return of the Living Dead, Hellfest, Night of the Demons, and Cabin in the Woods. Some uh, Phantom Cape Flip said Crimson Peep in the Poughkeepsie Tapes, which is interesting. Yes, I have have you released? seen Poughkeepsie Tapes? I have seen Poughkeepsie tapes. Is it good? It, no, I mean it's okay, <laughs> but it's not great. I never knew like the. Wh- I, I don't get it. So, uh, so yeah, I I think some people have written like big things about like it depends on the theme on this and stuff like that. But uh, there's a lot of a lot of really great uh, suggestions here, and we'll link the thread in our post. So you can go to Reddit and see all of the fun uh, suggestions here. But uh, but yeah, those those are some good suggestions. I would go to your movie marathons. And if you think about that, let's see, six, like, so that's about 14, 15 hours worth of movies. Mm-hmm. Could you do it? Oh, yeah. You well, could, no, not anymore. If I was 10 years younger, probably, yeah. Yeah, you don't think you could stay it? Be there. You don't think you could stay it for 14, 15 hours straight watching them? Well, if, if you started at 8 in the morning, I think you could do it. But not like, oh, yeah, we're going to start at, you know. Four in the afternoon. You don't think, like, if we start at 11 a.m. and go through, like, 2 a.m., you don't think you could do it? You set up the theater, and I'll knock it down. You, you, bo- you both have kids, so. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll decide which one to sleep during. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that one a lot, but I'm just taking that. I've seen that one a lot. Well, maybe we can, we can get our, our good friends at Angelica to hook up a theater, and we can do this, because that would be super fun. Uh, but moving on to our main event of the episode, episode 68, Fantastic Fest 15, uh, started and ended. We were there in Austin, Texas at the Alamo Draft House on South Lamar from September 19th through 26th. We saw a ton of movies. Uh, all of us have been to Fantastic Fest for many years. Before we get into the movies we enjoyed, uh, Mark and Preston, tell me, what is it about Fantastic Fest that you love the most? And tell me if this year was any different or more or less the same as previous years. Mark. Um, I'd say it was the same as previous years, but what I really like about it is how small scale and intimate it is. 
the fact that you don't have to, you know, uh, put yourself out to go to a theater on the other side of town, it's all in one setting, and just the, the, the relaxed atmosphere with which you can casually bump into an actor or director and you know, tell them you like their movie and their style and, and hang out with a lot of people who like the same things. You know, it's a very, uh, very uh, accommodating culture down there. And what, how many years have you been doing this? It's uh, five. This is year five. All yeah. right. Preston, what about you? Uh, I echo everything Mark said. Uh, it's a, it's as much a film festival as it is a social event. It's just nice to, as we've said in our posts that we put up on social media each year, like it's about the, the friendships and the talks that you have between the movies. And it's, it's exciting to kind of be around all these people who are just as enthusiastic about cinema as you are. And as Mark said, it's, it's really cool to like run into somebody like Riley Stearns who directed the art of self-defense and just be able to catch up with him and talk about, uh, the greatness of death and Dick long. And then, uh, Brian and I approached Ari Aster and talked to him. And so it's just nice that you can do that and feel comfortable doing it because it's, it's to be expected that you might be approached by several people throughout the day and just chat. Uh, a lot of it being centered around the vinegar syndrome table and looking at those movies and just having chats. So, uh, that was my this was my sixth year, and I guess I would say it's it falls in line a little bit with previous years. Um, I think it's felt better after all the controversy that this was the best that's felt since then. And I'd also say that I don't know if I want to go down this route, but I guess I will. Um, the last day that I went because everybody I knew was gone. You'll see people that you know and that you've talked to and that you will approach, but it's interesting to see like how it is on the other foot when you're by yourself and they don't approach you. So I had like a more melancholic thoughts on the last day. Um, so I don't know. It was like a, a, a wake up to reality kind of a little bit to making me think, Oh, like who are my real friends here kind of thing. Um, so I, I got a little dark a little <laughs> bit toward the end, but, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's nice to have those moments of realization to kind of be like, Oh, this is where I stand. I shouldn't get too ahead of myself. It just kind of helped to keep my roots in the ground a bit. No, that's a, that's a thoughtful analysis on your last day. If I yeah. was there, buddy, we would have been drinking because that's what I that's what I like about too. And you know, every morning, Chafferdini and I got up, had whiskey like at seven thirty in the morning or earlier, and then we would go see movies, and then we would stay up really fucking late. We would eat dinner somewhere great out uh, out in the Austin area, and we would come home and laugh ourselves to sleep, basically with the whole house, and talk about the day who we saw, what movies we saw and stuff like that. And I think like, I really look forward to that shit, you know? And we even had other people come over from the festival and watch shit with us. And I, I know just something about that. And I love, you know, you know, saving seats for the movies and talking through the movies and then like, you know, walking out in the area and seeing you pressing and Cole at the coffee shop and talking and then, uh, you know, seeing directors and actors walk by and saying hello. I just think that that's a cool thing that this festival does that 
really doesn't happen at many others, right? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen at any of the other ones that I go to. But granted, I only go to South by Southwest and the Dallas International Film Festival and Oak Cliff. And it's it's the best program festival just because it has that lottery system. You're guaranteed to see a movie at each time block. And um, I I think kind of going off of what you said, Brian, about, you know, having friends over, it it was different for me this year because James Cole Clay was not around as much. He was just there for two days and usually he and I will uh, room together and we can like just process everything that we had uh, that we saw and who we've talked to. And uh, I had that in its dosages, but uh, I had more time to kind of be alone with my thoughts and uh, write about things and have uh, just have more time to write. So um, more, uh, more we- masturbation time is what you're saying. Yeah. So yeah, sure. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. So uh, let's let's move on into these films. So we each kind of picked a few films that we really loved um, out of the fest. And I, I'm curious, Chafferdini, let's start with you. Um, pick one that uh, uh, that you really loved to talk about. We'll get your motor going. I think my favorite of the fest um, is the death of Dick Long because I I don't think I've laughed that hard since Shaun of the Dead. I mean, there's just something about the absurdity and the situations these characters get themselves into, and it's this (coughs) hilariously ludicrous quicksand. And if you're not laughing and missing what's on screen one second, you're like, holding your breath the next scene and it's not that taut but it's just the tightrope balance between those two um those two feelings that that movie kept the whole runtime and it was just well done so so in a in a in a sentence or two can you tell our folks like about like what it's about like without giving it away sure um three friends from alabama um do some crazy they're in a band they're uh do some crazy drugs one night they get weird they do they do you MFers want to get weird? Um, and one of them ends up uh, getting taken to the hospital and uh, ends up dying. So hence the name of the, the movie, The Death of Dick Long. And it's the two friends trying to keep secret what they did from everybody else in their family and the cops trying to figure out what's going on. And the two kind of run in tandem. One's trying to hide the details. Cops are trying to uncover the details. And uh, they're not... Classic the s- Coen Brothers fashion. Yeah. So you saw it too, Preston, right? I did. Yeah, it, it's it's also uh, one of my very favorites. But uh, since Mark mentioned it, I'm, I'm going to mention something else. But I, uh, yeah, I really love this movie just because I like movies that make me feel uncomfortable, and this movie made me feel incredibly in- uncomfortable just because. Um, I have skeletons that are in my closet. I have one big one from high school. And when I talked to the director of this movie, I, uh, I didn't tell him what, what happened in my past, but I told him that it just caused me to uh, reflect on that. And I feel like the movie offers a little bit of healing there just because it's, it's um, without giving anything away. It's just like embracing the, the things that, that uh, are, are dark about the dark side of you. 
And so, um, yeah, I just really enjoyed the film. I thought it was very funny. I enjoyed all that, like, small-town eccentricities of, you know, people mowing their yard with a rope and on a hillside <laughs> and how their, their dialogue and everything, how they talk. I loved how one of the guys, Earl, he always says, tight. Like, that's tight. <laughs> and so, yeah, there's a lot to love about it. Just know that you're going to feel uncomfortable but I think you'll uh, walk away feeling that it's a very rewarding experience. So first, because of the soundtrack too. Yeah. For, first, I kind of want to know what Preston skeleton is from high school. Like I'm trying to imagine what it could be in high school. A young Preston. You want to tell us? Uh, no, I, <laughs> I, I, I will not. I mean, um, we're all family I mean, and I friends have here. Quite a few from like middle school that are probably like way worse, but the, the one that happened in high school was the one that had the most effect on me. Uh, it's like it's like an inside out when that yellow ball falls, and that's like the one that is so much a part of the fabric of you. That that memory is the one that's always there, and it it it's weird how it'll just like happen randomly, like it'll pop up. And one of the things that helped ease my mind was telling my wife and I told her like two years ago, which was like, you know, 10 years of having a relationship. And it took that long for me to mention what it was. So it's something that will stay buried to the public, but it's something that I feel better now that I've talked to my wife about it. Damn it. We got to get this story out of him, Mark. (laughs) I'm so intrigued. Uh, So I haven't seen the death of Dick Long. Is this a Brian movie? Oh. Uh, it's uh, a, yeah, yeah, it's very much a Brian movie. Okay. Um, so A24 put it out uh, exclusively at Alamo Theaters over the weekend. It sucks that it's it's gone at the moment. I'm sure it'll surface on VOD. I don't know if it'll run through DirecTV exclusive, which is what seems to be what A24 has a connection with. But uh, I hope a lot of people see it. Uh, I think the, the poster itself... Uh, should pull you into it, which is just a dude shooting a Roman candle between his legs during a, <laughs> during a campfire. Um, so yeah, I, I it just, it, it's absolutely great. All so right. yeah, that's a good pick. All right, Preston, you pick one now. Okay. Um, I guess I will go with, uh, Parasite. Um, there's a couple other movies that are on our list that I, that are above it that are on other people's lists. And so we can discuss it there, but parasite, um, a lot of people are saying that it's, uh, one of the best movies of the decade. I believe that is on the poster. Damn. Uh, And now, now is that hyperbole? Because I like this director. The trailer looks great. Yeah. Bong Joon Ho. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's incredible. It is, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue that it's not one of the best movies of the decade. It, it, It is, yeah, it is huge. It's um, I, I don't want to hype it up too much, but I was just really into it. So the movie is about, and um, I'll be very careful about where I take it, but just what is on the surface and what you can gather from the trailer. It's a family of con artists who um, help this uh, family doing various jobs. They do various things, like the son will do tutoring with this rich family's uh, daughter, and then one of them is a, a complex, a kid who uh, 
exercises his thoughts through the art that he makes. And one of them's a driver and the other one's a nanny and uh, a maid and picks up the house. So they all have like their agenda, but in classic Bong Joon-ho fashion, of course, there's something else that's uh, going on there that kind of twists the narrative on its head a bit. And I was surprised by how funny this movie was and also emotional that it can just uh, walk that line between the two so incredibly well while providing very good performances. And it translates very well for American audiences. I think that was something that we recognized in that the handmaiden as well, which was a Park John uh, Park Chan Wook film. Yes. But they, it's just like these filmmakers really understand like what makes a, a great film and what can translate to different areas of the world what, incredibly well. Was it, was it like awkward? Was it like unnerving? Was it scary or like, uh, it wasn't, it wasn't like extremely like fucked up or anything like in a, uh, I guess to go to Takashi Mika in an audition kind of way, nothing like that. It's just, uh, it just keeps you on your toes. Um, so that, that, that's pretty much what happens, uh, all throughout the movie. I'm, I'm just like, oh man, this is a, a very intense situation. What, how is this going to unfold? And it's surprising the way that it unfolds and it feels real. And, um, so it, it was just a, a really cool wire act I of intensity. I cannot wait to see this. Uh, do you want to so, see yeah, this it's movie? coming out later oh, yeah. this month in October. Oh, all right. Good. Hope to see it soon. Um, I guess I'll do one. I think opening night film, most everybody saw Jojo Rabbit. However, I did not. I saw a movie called Guns Akimbo, uh, which stars Harry Potter, a.k.a. Daniel Radcliffe, who is a video game engineer who just kind of lives almost a solitary life. He's real nerdy. Nobody pays attention to him. And he's kind of a troll online to people who say bad things online. And there's this uh, there's this online platform where these this gang kidnaps you and forces you to kill other people called Schism. And after Daniel Radcliffe uh, trolls them online, they kidnap him and they uh, bolt gigantic hand or handguns to his hands metal wise bloody and everything and he has to go on a killing spree across town harry potter fucks some shit up and it's so much fun to watch it is you know it almost seems like it's the perfect film for a 15 year old <laughs> because it's like it's like the the villains are like over the top it's bloody gory vulgar all of that and super fast pace paced um you know the some of the characters, it'll freeze frame and put their names up on there. You know, it's that type of movie. So it's super fun. It's pretty violent. And it's great to see uh, Daniel Radcliffe in this sort of movie. Uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it. Guns Akimbo. I don't know if it's actually getting released any point soon. Do you know, Preston? I don't. So I'm incredibly jealous that you saw this. Yeah. So that, that's why I picked it. So I like I knew Jojo was getting released. I was like, I got to see Guns Akimbo, even though nobody came in for it. Just the fact to see it, you know, on the big screen with the sound and everything. It's it's super fun and ridiculous and over the top. Uh, but I had a good time with it. And uh, the, the female lead in it 
She's like typecast in, in these movies. She was the main chick in Ready or Not and in Mayhem. So, uh, what's her name? I'm trying to remember. Oh, Samara Weaving? Uh, yes, yeah, Samara Weaving. Uh, she's yeah. also in this, and it's kind of like the same character. She's going around killing a lot of people, uh, bloodied in hell, uh, and she's awesome in it. Uh, but yeah, go see Guns Akimbo, for sure. All right, back go to... Go see it go, where you can't see it Yeah, now. don't see it. Yeah, go see it if you can find it. Uh, Chafferdini, you said Death of Dick Long first. Is there another one you want to talk about? Yeah, probably Jojo Rabbit, but I might save that for uh, later on in the, the discussion. Okay. Um, I think the next one I'd really like to talk about is uh, Takashi Miike's First Love, which I think we're all <clears throat> on board with, unless I'm yeah. mistaken. Oh, no, I, I love Takashi Miike. Yeah. He's made over 100 films. I've seen yeah. a lot of them, and... It was so cool at Fantastic Fest that he was premiering his new movie there, and he actually showed up. So that was super cool. So, Chafferdini, take it first love, man. Um, I I did not expect to see, because the the bar for me with Mikkei is uh, 13 Assassins. And I know that doesn't go very far back into his repertoire, but um, for me, I've seen about half dozen of his movies, and they're kind of hit and miss, but... I, I I love Thirteen Assassins dearly, and this one stood toe to toe with every one of those those uh, Ronin. Um, it's a movie about um, a, a boxer who is diagnosed with cancer, and he thinks that his life is kind of over. And in one night, he kind of and the whole thing movie the whole movie takes place in one night. He kind of has a an altercation and in, with uh, someone who's running from uh, drug dealers, and there's it's this kind of Guy Ritchie fueled. Um, mix of madcap events. You've got drug dealers and boxers and crooked cops and Yakuza and everybody's kind of working for each other and kind of swirling around a beehive. And it's just, it's so much fun, but it's also tense and it's outlandish. It's everything you would expect from Mikkei. It looks like it's the most fun Takashi Mikkei had making a movie. (laughs) I would go with that. Yeah. There were so many uh, genres in there because you had comedy, you had uh, like straight out romance. Yuck. Yeah. Romance. Mm-hmm. Like, and, uh, even Takashi Miike, didn't he say like what type of movie it was? Yeah. He, he gave a really good, um, Q and a afterwards with a, a very, uh, proficient translator and every answer he gave just had the audience rolling. It was great, but I forgot the answer to his question. <laughs> no, I think it was like it's a movie about a dog, like a, the, the toy dog or something like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something great because there's a toy dog in the movie. But like, there's like, even some animation in there. So. Yeah, there was anime in there. And it's like Chafferdini said, it's like this mix of all these different characters of all different facts of life who are in a Guy Ritchie or even Tarantino way kind of get like uh co-mingle together at some point in time inside a, a hardware store no less yeah <laughs> it all comes to a head and you know even when takashi Mike came out it's like not many heads will roll in many of my movies <laughs> in the first fucking 30 seconds a head rolled down the street yeah. <laughs> So, you coy bastard. Uh, I mean, Preston, what, what, I know you saw the movie. What'd you think? Oh, I loved it too. I, I, I was, I heard that it, it could be like one of his most reserved movies just because as he said, not as many heads will roll and there is quite a bit of violence in it, but it's so fun. 
But I think I was just so surprised by uh, how good the love story was and just like that sense of being in over your head and you're like, what the hell? And just like, and then also being somebody who is on the verge of death and just having this no care attitude, uh, was really refreshing to see on screen. So it, it was just, it was just a lot of fun, uh, all throughout. And so it was, it was a great time. I agree. And then for those of you who don't know Takashi Miike, Takashi Miike and his producing partner, uh, the those two they're a man and a woman and they're like somebody's grandparents like lovable caring nice friendly and they make these hardcore fucking movies that you've never seen like almost absurdist type stuff yeah and- it's it's so crazy that he make it's kind of like you know Cormac McCarthy making the counselor and that dude's like nine years old and then you have like a catfish scene with a vagina and I'm just like what the fuck is wrong with you guys how do you like reach an age where you're like I should probably tone down my tone a bit, <laughs> but no, they're like, let's just keep going. Yeah, let's, let's keep weirder. going. No, it's great. First love. I can't wait for you all to see it. I think it's pretty accessible for American audiences. Uh, Cause like, you know, at first you're kind of getting to know the characters, but it like really easily falls into place and we're laughing through the whole thing. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. 100%. All right. Uh, Preston, what's your next one? Uh, my next one will be the closing night film, which is Knives Out. So jealous that you got to see that. Uh, I know Chafferdini is a huge Ryan Johnson fan. Uh, a fan of Don Johnson and Ryan Johnson, Larry Johnson. Larry Johnson. Yeah, Johnson. got his dad in there, Don Johnson. <laughs> so before Preston, uh, Mark, do you have high hopes for Knives Out? I have extremely pointed hopes for Knives Out. Ooh, uh, aha. Ah, yeah. Dad jokes. I got them. <laughs> yeah. The, the, not, the puns that are going to come out of Knives Out and Butt Boy is just going to be endless. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Preston. Uh, enlighten Mark Chafferdini and myself with Knives Out. Okay. So the, the plot is about this uh, family that comes together to celebrate the patriarchs of the family, his uh, 85th birthday. He's an author, a famous mystery author, and so everybody has their own agenda, and they want to be uh, on his good side so they can get uh, a, a good portion of his assets, and then he mysteriously dies, and so it becomes a fun game of Clue for the detectives that are and police officers uh, led by Daniel Craig's character. And then the patriarch of the family is played by Christopher Plummer. And then the, the rest of the cast is quite incredible. And so you, you may wonder, like, oh, man, that's so many famous faces in there. Uh, that's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Um, will it overflow in any way or become too much or they won't focus on uh, particular characters? Um, it, it does suffer a little bit in that area, um, but everybody has a great presence in the film, and uh, a lot of them are very funny. This script is very – like, here's another pun – very sharp. It, it really is. It's like as, <laughs> as witty as like a Tarantino script. It's one of my favorite scripts of the year so far. And I'm just like surprised in the directions that it goes in. A lot of people have been saying it's like it's an evolving mystery. Like you think it's going to go one way. When you think it's going to zig, it zags. And it's just playing with your mind the entire time. It may like drop uh, some uh, breadcrumbs for you to figure out, oh, it's it's this. 
oh, and and then and no, it goes in another way. So it just also keeps you on your toes. So, so, so it's kinda, a lot of fun. Does it does it uh, kind of goes back to Ryan Johnson's first movie, Brick, where it was kind of like a whodunit high school murder type thing? Uh, in a sense, but it's it's way more expanded. It's way more fun. I think this is the most fun that I've had watching a movie all year. Wow. Whoa. Okay. And you've seen The Death of Dick Long? <laughs> yeah, I have, but this one's <laughs> way more accessible than that. Okay. Mm, I don't know. Long Dick is accessible. <laughs> I'm not saying that it's my favorite movie of the year. I'm just saying it's the most fun that I've had gotcha. at, at watching it with an audience and just trying to figure it out and then it playing you for a full. It's so fun. Hmm. Well, all right. Well, I can't wait to see it. Neither can Chaffadini. Yeah. Uh, another one of mine uh, that I really liked. I don't think. Did y'all did y'all see Golden Gloves while you were there? Nope. No. I did not. All right. So Golden Gloves, really fucked up movie. Uh, Susan Kamyab actually watched it too, which was great. <laughs> so Golden Gloves is a narrative uh, telling of a true life serial killer in 1960s Germany. And uh, it is crazy. It's very, very darkly funny. But it's about this guy who has who killed four women. And he cut up the bodies and hid them in his house and around his neighborhood. And you kind of see uh, this, this time frame for him. But there's also kind of a... a, a take on him where you kind of feel bad for him because of his like home life like he how he was brought up he was abandoned he was put in a foster home he was a good companion piece for joker yes yes but this this guy doesn't have the charisma of joker and it's like a bunch of really like ugly people in the movie so but it does never shies away from its rape or violence uh but there's also funny stuff to it like after he kind of rapes a woman with a wooden spoon and then knocks her teeth out she comes back to get her teeth and he helps her look for them and she ends up living with him and it's like it's just so weird and crazy but uh it's it's a good movie and you can actually look up uh this serial killer um uh it's it's Pretty fascinating how they told the story. Yeah, the director phoned in into the theater to intro the film, and he talked about how it's such a dark movie and it is, uh, you know, super violent. And I'm, he, he made sure, like, you can get through it if you can, but just take a look at the other side of this guy and where he came from. Uh, not to excuse any of his violent tendencies, but uh, it, it was an interesting uh, little intro. But yeah, uh, Golden Gloves, I hope it gets released and hope you watch it. Um, if you're, cause you know, the serial killer craze is huge right now on Netflix and Hulu. Um, and this is not like a docu series. This is like a narrative telling, but I think it's based on a real guy and I think people would like it. Um, but yeah, so Chafferdini, what next movie do you want to talk about? Uh, I kind of feel like, <clears throat> yeah, let's, let's go to the true adventures of Wolf boy. There was, you know, if you think back about three or four years ago when John wick, Played at uh, Fantastic Fest. I remember. And Cub, the the unintentional theme of the the fest was dog murdering, (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of people were like, "Damn you, Fantastic Fest!" Everly, like there was like ten movies that had death dog deaths in it. So this one, I I feel like that there the selection again, maybe uh, subconsciously or just a coincidence. It felt like there was a whole lot of humor and a whole lot of heart in along with the dark stuff. So I feel like. 
Jojo Rabbit was that way. I feel like Death of Dick Long was that way. Um, and I think I feel like the True Adventures of Wolf Boy is that way. Now, with the True Adventures of Wolf Boy, it's about a, uh, a 13-year-old kid who has a uh, disease that causes excess hair growth. Basically, he's a dog face boy or wolf boy from, uh, you know, that we would see in a circus. And on his 13th birthday, his dad is about to send him to a place called the, uh, the Griffin Institute. And, you know... Uh, in, in history, the griffin is half eagle, half lion. So he, the dad, Chris Messina, is sending his son, Jacob, uh, Jaden Martell, to this, um, this institute where he could be among other kids who are different and, you know, learn to live. And he's like, fuck that noise. And he wants to go find his mom. And who left at like, like two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or maybe even earlier than that. So he's, you know, he's been raised by his dad, and he just his whole world is open when he just goes out his door, and he finds out that there's a lot of people not like him, but there's a lot of people who have, you know, there, there's no you can wipe the idea of normal, quote unquote, off the off the blackboard. Just people have so many different perks and quirks that make them different, and he finds these different people, and it's kind of like this. Um, it's broken up into chapters, and he goes into meets these different people. John Turturro's in there, Chloe Sevigny, um, and it's just a really impressive film from you know something you wouldn't expect to see. It almost feels like something from the well, lost film from the eighties, but there's a, there's a lot of heart to it. No, I, I that was one I, that was on my list that I wanted to see, and I I enjoyed it for the most part. I thought the kid actors weren't great, so I kind of got drawn out of it. I just didn't think they were that memorable. I didn't think their performances were that good. Mm-hmm. However, I really like the story and like the relationships there, and I like like the sadness and the joy throughout the movie because there's both, mm-hmm. and I like that aspect of it. So yeah, no, I I enjoyed the True Adventures of Wolf Boy, and I think I think it'll be a good movie for like kids too to watch. Yeah, you know, I mean, there there's no shortage, and there's nothing wrong with seeing the types of movies that are. It's okay to be you. I mean. It, this definitely falls within that 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 genre, that theme. But um, you know, accepting yourself. I mean, there's only one of you. You only got one body. So right, love yourself. Love yourself. Love yourself, Mark. Man, you gonna make me? That was so sweet. <laughs> Preston, did you see True Adventures of Wolf Boy? I haven't yet. I haven't linked though. All right, you should watch it, man. Uh, it uh, what's his name? Um, John Turturro is excellent in it <laughs> for sure. It, it's a prequel to Big Lebowski. Yes, it is. <laughs> Uh, Preston, what's another movie that you saw that none of us saw? Uh, the Lodge. Uh, the Lodge was the movie that I was most excited to see at the festival. I was, I had to do some like crazy scheduling to fit it in, but I managed to work it out because it played on uh, the Saturday of the first weekend, and it was like right during the slot that I needed to see one movie to do an interview for the following day. And then I ended up, that whole thing caused me to have to see six movies on Sunday and do three interviews. But it was, but it was worth it. It was worth it. All right, The Lodge. Um, so this is from the filmmakers who did Goodnight Mommy, which was the secret screening, I believe, in 2014 at Fantastic Fest. Um, that movie, I think I've said it on here before. Uh, I liked it later. I hated it the first time I saw it just because I had, uh, you know, no idea what it was and I didn't know what it was all throughout it. I wanted to like, I should have probably just stepped out and like looked it up because sometimes, you know, going in blind is fun, but at the same time, I just want to know a little bit about it. Um, but anyway, the lodge is 
a good companion piece with that film because it also deals with like family trauma and siblings and things like that. And but uh, there's a lot going on here. Um, but also, I think it's important to know because after it played at Sundance uh, earlier this year. A lot of people started comparing it to The Witch and Hereditary, that it's just like one of those movies that is just like on that level of scary. And I think people should know that it is um, while it's it has that sort of effect where it just like invades your mind after um, it's not so much scary in the moment. I don't think that these filmmakers are as great of building dread and intensity like Ari Aster is or Robert Eggers. But I think that the performances are pretty incredible. Uh, most importantly, uh, Riley Keough, uh, who plays like this, the, the stepmother or soon to be stepmother of this family um, who go to a remote uh, cabin location, like in this snowy uh, place, isolated place and the dad is like this workaholic type of guy <clears throat> and the um the the kids that are in the film they don't trust so it's like a parent trapped sort of situation like they're trying to like plan ways to like get rid of her so subtly and then truths begin to reveal themselves so it's it's just a twisty um horror film and uh it, it speaks to a lot of like uh, I, I don't want to like put the one thing that could label what this movie is encapsulates it, but um, it speaks to a lot of like what's going on in the world today and some of our fascinations with uh, some of this, the content that we're attracted to. I'm trying to be very vague about that, but uh, just know that it's a very uh, thought provoking horror movie, not so much a in your face scary one. All right. So, will we like the lodge like Chafferdini and I? I think you. I think y'all will. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't have <laughs> my finger so much on Mark's pulse in terms of like the stuff that he kind of likes. But for uh, Brian, I think you would like it. All right. I'm in. Um, and I guess one of my uh, one of my last. Uh, movies i'm going to mention is the documentary nail in the coffin vampiro you know me i love pro wrestling this was a documentary on the pro wrestler vampiro who is insanely awesome he uh went to mexico and became one of the biggest parts of the luchador circuit as his character of vampires and it shows like kind of his rise in stardom at that his family and how uh, he's taking his injuries in the business right now as kind of a backstage person. And it, it is excellent. It kind of shows the ins and outs of the wrestling business and how he dealt with it. Because he was in WCW, he's, he's been in a lot of indie stuff. And the, the guy is, like, not abrasive, but he knows exactly what he wants. And he will tell you exactly what he thinks and how he feels even if it you know upsets you but he gets like the best performance and he's great and I, you know i think some of the best people to talk to interviews and who have the best stories and who are the most fascinating are actually pro wrestlers because they do have the best stories and they're raw usually and candid more so than you know a list celebrities so the vampiro has nothing to hide and it's just really cool to see all of 
you know, the sorrows and joy in his life. And they even interview his daughter uh, at different ages as well and how she, you know, looks at his travel schedule and not being there and being there and stuff like that. So it's it's really cool to see. Uh, and if you, if you like really poignant and um, excellently uh, made documentaries, really check out Nail in the Coffin, Vampiro. Did you all get to see it? Nope. Even, even, I did. Nope. Even for you fan or you non-fans of pro wrestling, I think you really like this uh, documentary because it's, it's, it's a character piece. Is that a hint, Brian? That's a hint, Preston. I mean, for like three years now, I've been trying to get uh, Preston to watch wrestling or go to an event. So Mark Chafferdini actually went to, with me to a wrestling event uh, a few New months Japan ago, New Japan Pro Wrestling at American Airlines. And what do you have to say about it? I had a lot of fun. He had a lot of fun. Damn it, Preston, you would have a lot of fun too. Uh, I believe I would. I believe that I would have fun in your company. It's always fun in your company. It's just, uh, <laughs> do I want to jump into something that could uh, that I don't have room in for my in my life for? You do, because there's a ton of horror aspects in wrestling right now. A lot of horror movie characters. Uh, and it's so much fun to watch. Vampiro is one of them. But, uh, but yeah, you should do that. So back to Chafferdini. Is there any other movie you want to talk about? Like, you want to talk about Jojo Rabbit? I think you should, because I didn't see it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think the, the other two one, the other one I was going to talk about is Worm, but I think that's on your list, right? Yeah, I, I think I, I think it's on all of our lists. I think okay. it should be. It's our. I mean, it's my number one Worm. Well, then I'll go Jojo, and you guys can uh, let the worm wiggle and crawl. Uh, I, I had you know Taika Waititi. I mean, you kind of know what you're getting going into uh, any of his productions, but there's just something about him taking on this uh, the subject of, of a boy. Uh, Ten-year-old in the Hitler Youth, and you know, at the, in Germany at the time of World War II, and right when Germany is starting to um, lose the war, but everyone in this country is putting on this front about you know the uh, the war and the, the German war machine and how uh, how pious they all were. But just you know, seeing things from the kid's perspective is hysterical, especially when his imaginary friend is Adolf Hitler. So it sounds like a real knee slapper, and it totally is. It is. <laughs> It's it's dark, 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 but Taika Waititi deals it deals with it with heart, 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 and you will laugh your ass off. So I mean, I guess he says it's the anti hate satire, right? Isn't well? How do you describe that? Is that shown in the movie? Yeah, it's pretty clear. So Preston, what, what did, did you echo Mark? Did you like it more or less, or? Uh, it was, it hung in there for my favorite for a little while until Worm came out, but I, I still think that it's going to be one of the movies that's going to be in my top 10 possibly. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Mark said it pretty well with, you know, you know what to expect when it's Taika Waititi, uh, especially coming after Thor, after Thor Ragnarok, he just has this great sense of humor that is just, it doesn't need to be. Uh, raunchy or anything like that. He can just find the humor in the the littlest things, and the 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 storyline is pre- excuse me uh, pretty do- uh, daring. Uh, you know, kid having an imaginary friend whose name is Hitler, and then him being like a Nazi boy, and then being the story taking place from his perspective. But I just the journey along the way. Uh, you know, you can watch a lot of movies about the Holocaust and. Um, you the, the idea is for you to recognize like 
there was so much hate in the world. And then this movie comes along and I think it should be required viewing for kids to see at school versus some of the other Holocaust, uh, World War II stuff that we see. Um, just cause I think it just puts a sense of positivity on it that, you know, we can learn from hate and we can grow. And, uh, yeah, by the end of the movie, you get a full sense of like what that, that tagline of it being an anti-hate satire, even though it's like built from the ashes of hate. Um, there's just, uh, there's so much there. I think it's surprisingly emotional too. Yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. I've heard people that like they laughed and they cried during the movie. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a one scene won't say what it is. Um, that got a huge gasp in the theater and, um, so it, it's, it, it warrants seeing it in the theater with an audience and just kind of going on that journey with them and then having that nice kind of loving talk afterwards. All right. I like that. And I like how you say like the anti-hate just because, you know, as of yesterday, you know, if people are listening, you know, you know, love is born out of the ashes of hate is how you say, you know, uh, like the you know, you don't like to get into, we don't really get into current events, but it kind of made like sense for this Amber Geiger trial. Uh, she, you know, was uh, convicted of murdering her neighbor, but at the end, uh, of the trial, of their sentencing, the victim's brother just wanted to hug her and tell her, you know, forgive her and all that stuff. So I thought that was a very powerful moment. And yeah, it, it shows that the, the the race war doesn't have to keep going like it can just you know we can shake hands and learn from all this right so i I like you know it's interesting how that happened and then kind of like the same type of thing with jojo rabbit so would you one of your favorites mark yeah it it was number one uh it was a it was the first one I saw at the, the festival, and it was a tough one to beat until I saw The Death of Dick Long. But there's something about JoJo that just like, you know, Scarlett Johansson's character as the mother is is so impacting. And, um, you know, there's something about like when Preston said you'll you'll laugh and you'll cry, you will honestly do that within seconds of each other. I mean, and that's per. I love those yeah. types of movies. <clears throat> Taika Waititi. I mean, he, he he turns on a dime and gives you nine cents change. I mean, it's like yeah, know. like he pumps the brake in different genres, but it never lets it linger long enough where you're overwhelmed or underwhelmed. Good for him. All right. Well, I can't wait to see it. I know it comes out in a week or two, so I can't wait to see that. Uh, Preston, another movie. Are we going to talk about Worm? Or are we going to talk about something else? Uh, I mean, I could rapid uh, talk about some things, but I do want to give a proper due to worm i know that's on all of our lists yeah let's yeah let's wrap it up with worm yeah let's wrap it up with worm because i think that was all on the top of our list i think you know filling out the little cards or tearing the cards of like one to ten and how much we liked it worm got the biggest the 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 highest number for me nice uh so uh, worm how do you describe Worm? We all liked it. And it was spelled Worm, W-Y-R-M, and it's the title character's name or how he goes by, Worm. And I want to say that it's like an adult version of Napoleon Dynamite. <laughs> like it's, you know, kind of that, you know, dry humor and emotion. Uh, but and it's set in high school uh, after kind of a tragedy but i there's just so much goodness in this movie and even like how to deal with tragedy as well in a realistic way with you know 
oddball characters and stuff that you can relate to. Um, I just, I just really loved every second of it. And like the universe it creates of like this alternate society with, uh, where like students have to wear neck, uh, like monitors, not neck monitors or electric monitors. Yeah. Maturity indicator where you have sex or kiss a girl. It's just, it's just, it's just beyond me and how they thought up about this. But I, I think, uh, Mark, you talked to the director, right? I did. Yeah. So tell me about worm. Tell, talk to me about the director, what, what you asked him and stuff. I'm curious. Well, yeah, I had a, I think I had the most fun, um, interviewing somebody with Worm. Worm was probably my top three or four, but I think the interview was the best. And he talked about how it's, he said in the Q&A that it's a semi-autobiographical. And he says it's from the point where his parents don't know how to deal with, you know, uh, emotions. They don't talk about death and they don't talk about sex. It's two things they just walk away from. And so it's how he... Uh, how, how he used that as the characters in the film to not just emotionally remove the parents from the situation, but also physically. So you didn't focus on them. You didn't know who they were. We also talked about how um, the idea of the neck bracelet, uh, the, the necklet being like a physical embodiment of maturity and how, you know, social stigmas, you know, uh, you know, in a in internet age and people are trying to trend and follow each other and like, like, how do you, how do you put that maturity level, that intangibility and trying to keep up with people while you physically manifest it on your neck. So it's, it's almost <laughs> like the scarlet letter in a reverse, you know, uh, the opposite way. Um, and he was, he was very happy. He started with a short film. This short film is an expansion of that, or this film is an expansion of the short. And he used the same, uh, the, the worm sister, Marcilla played by, uh, Azure Brandy played the sister and she just, Let's all our emotions pour out through her eyes. She was kind of like the new Aubrey Plaza to me. I thought, yeah, like she's yeah. just like very stoic, but also funny and dry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I re- I really like that aspect of it. Uh, Preston, I know you loved it. What, what do you have to say about Worm? I uh, I mean, Mark said it very well there too. Um, <clears throat> I, I talked to the director too, um, and got into some of the the themes and things like that. I think somebody said it pretty well by saying it's like a mix of eighth grade meets the lobster and (laughs) it's it's a good way of putting it because it's such a great coming of age story just kind of set in this alternate reality and from this alternate reality uh, you can learn so much about yourself and your relationships with your friends and family and uh, I can walk away uh, knowing or learning more truths about myself Versus something that could be more head on that is like set in the world that we know it. And it was just a very cool experiment and it just really paid off. And it was also surprisingly emotional. They get in deep with some of these relationships that in very profound ways and while never losing its sense of fun. Um, so yeah, I, it was just the most creative in one of the most fun films that I saw at Fantastic Fest. So it, it's easily my number one of the festival. And I hope that just because I'm a sucker for coming of age stories, um, because that's where you do most of your growing is in high school. And um, so I hope it finds a distributor soon because uh, I, I watched those shorts that he's done, this director, and you can just see that that type of comedy carry over into this and he's he's great for expanding some of these stories that he's been telling and so yeah this one was pretty damn good 
No, it, it was great. And I, I, you know, just thinking about like the first kissing, we all have like awkward first kisses, but in this movie, Worm has a first kiss and, you know, he has the necklet on and it's just like, oh God, you don't know if you like the girl. She don't <laughs> like. It's like, it's, it's like perfectly done and like subtle. And you just like think back to that time. Yeah. And like his sister had to help him out with like setting it up. Like, it's just so funny to me, you know, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but it, but it's also tr- good because um, what the characters going to do, uh, like Preston was saying, they they deal with grief. Um, <clears throat> all the characters are sort of uncensored. Wor- Worms, the the main uh, job that Worm has in the film is to record testimonials of uh, the people who knew his older brother Theo um, for use with this public sort of memorial. And what you would expect in something like, have you seen the final cut with Robin Williams? Yes. Okay. You know how he did he did the rememory based on the best parts of people's, you know, the right. the, the the Zoe implant recorded. He played out you know, good, bad or indifferent. He let people's emotions that they thought it was censored on or um uh confidential on these recordings play out just as they would in the memorial. And so uh, a lot of what the um I don't know if empathy is the right word, but the uh resolution of the film is people just letting their feelings out and coming to terms with there's a, there's a lot to unpack in the movie, and I, I have to say that uh, Helen Estabrook, who is the producer, comes from Whiplash, so that's a, a good signifier of how good. And yeah, she knows how to find quality directors. Exactly. Yeah, it, it, like Preston said, I hope this finds a release either on demand or in theaters, like mm-hmm. because it deserves to be seen and give this uh, let this director make movies. <laughs> Christopher Winterbauer, I think. There you go. Um, Well, I think that wraps up our 68th episode of My Bloody Podcast. Of course, there were many more movies that we saw that we want to tell you about. Uh, But we might do that at another time. uh, Or they might be getting released and we'll do a whole episode towards them. But My Bloody Podcast on Spotify, on iTunes, and Stitcher Radio. Brian Kluger with BoomstickComics.com and HighDefDigest.com where you can read Blu-ray reviews, streaming reviews, uh, HD gear, movies, and all sorts of fun other things. And, of course, uh, Preston, where can they find you? I can find me on social media at Preston Barta, B-A-R-T-A, on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find my writing on DittonRC.com, which is the Ditton Record Chronicle. have quite a few reviews up and catching up on interviews. Most of the interviews you can find on FreshFiction.tv, where I'm the features editor. I have quite a few interviews up there for uh, a lot of the movies that I saw at Fantastic Fest. So, good stuff. Yes, check out those interviews. We all have interviews. And, of course, we want to give a bloody, big bloody thank you and kiss and... Uh, just the tip into our a favorite ZJ. person, a ZJ, if you have to ask. You can't afford it. Mark Chafferdini from Go See Talk. Mark Chafferdini, tell them on all the porn sites where they can find you. Um, rubberlongnecks.com, uh, <laughs> triplethunder.cum, and, uh, go, <laughs> and go, go See Talk on Twitter, YouTube, and uh, GoSeeTalk.com is the the review and interview website yes and check check all our youtubes out uh youtube brian kluger youtube go see talk youtube fresh fiction uh see all of our fun as hell interviews with all the people we've been talking to over the last couple weeks 
There are quite a few funny ones for sure. Uh, but yes, we'll be back next week with episode 69, Preston. I feel like we have to do this in person, naked, and like with KY Jelly. Yeah, we probably should have saved society for that one, but I don't <laughs> we'll, know. We'll find another one. We'll bring out the grease. Yes, we'll bring out the grease. Save all our body hair. Yeah, I like it. Uh, until next time, we love you. Uh, thank you, Mark. Thank you, Preston. Thanks for having me.